Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cytokine Signaling Forum author interview podcast, where my name is Professor Peter Nash. I'm a rheumatologist, Department of Medicine, University of Queensland in Australia, and today we are very lucky to be honoured to talk to Professor Leonard Calabrese from the RJ Fassenmeyer Centre for Clinical Immunology at the Cleveland Clinic Foundation. Len, thank you so much for giving up your time. We greatly appreciate it. Peter, my pleasure, man. Okay, so today we're talking about one of the press button issues. I, I work in the Asia Pacific castles. One of the commonest questions we get from the Asia Pacific docs who are very, very focused on this zoster issue is your uh, lovely study you published in Arthritis Care and Therapy in July of 2019, which was a post hoc analysis of the live zoster vaccine in patients with RA treated with totocytinib with or without methotrexate or adalimumab with methotrexate, the oral strategy study. So thank you so much. Let's have a think, find the audience of what the oral strategy study was and why it's important. Yeah, well, the, the, the issue of why it's important is, uh, you know, it's kind of a no-brainer. Um, zoster is a disease of formidable uh, morbidity burden. Uh, we know that we in rheumatology, uh, we make zoster for a living. It's a, it's a uh, complication of many of our therapies, but in particular, appears to be a class effect of Janus kinase inhibitors. So the oral strategy study um, uh, was a, uh, a study of tofacitinib uh, done in methotrexate inadequate responder patients um, who were then randomized to get either tofa uh, as monotherapy, tofa plus methotrexate, or a comparator limb of um, adalimumab plus methotrexate. The twist to this study was is that upon into the study, and while this wasn't um, mandated by the study, patients uh, were given the option of receiving, at, at that time, you have to recognize this was live zoster vaccine, um, about a month before initiating treatment. And so this was done, and the study was basically a post hoc analysis of that study to examine, you know, the efficacy and safety of live zoster vaccine in a, a real-world, uh, you know, application of these drugs. Most of what we know just come from uh, examinations of safety databases. So that was the that was the plan. Excellent. Because such a difficult discussion. Just at the time they're doing terribly, and you want to put them on a biologic. It's a, not a good time to be stopping things for a live vaccine. What do you do in your own practice? Back to the study shortly. You know, how do you kind of time all this vaccination stuff with people yeah, who are no, in trouble, need to go on the drug? Well, you know, uh, there, there, there's no easy way around this, but I will tell you, we are we are vigorous uh, in this area. And... Um, uh, I believe that anyone starting uh, particularly a JAK inhibitor uh, should be offered um, uh, zoster vaccination. We can talk about what vaccine we're using these days toward the end. Um, and I, I would say regardless of age, um, my uh, junior 
associate, Dr. Cassandra Calabrese, who has a rheumatology infectious disease clinic here, just was discussing a 35-year-old who's doing well on tofacitinib who had horrendous um, uh, zoster um, and now had stopped the drug or zoster treated and uh, she has recommended uh, uh, vaccination before going back on the drug. Uh, anything that can be done to uh, prevent these complications. So that's where our standard is. Excellent. Can you, can you give us an, an idea what is the role of baseline varicella or zoster serology? Should we be checking it, or is it a waste of time to just vaccinate everybody? Well, in the in the era when we used to use uh, live zoster vaccine, Zostavac, um, could create a modestly reasonable question that you should check uh, serologic status. Uh, because this vaccine was not intended as primary vaccination. On the other hand, in the pivotal zoster trial that used of over, almost 40,000 patients, didn't uh, uh, assess baseline uh, zoster antibody status, uh, and people did just fine. You know, people born before 1994 or so, virtually all of them are infected. So that was the old. The new is uh, moving into recombinant the vaccine, which is killed, and I see no reason to check this anymore. Excellent. We'll, we'll talk about Shindrix a little bit later on, especially about this concern that all rumors have that it's going to flare their rheumatoid when you give them this highly adjuvenated vaccine. But tell us a little bit about the objective of this particular analysis. Well, now the, the objective was uh, meager, as I said. Since this was not mandated, um, the you know the acceptance of um, the live zoster vaccine was you know only about 18% of patients, and this was not a random sample. Um, so the N was very small, and it was really not powered for intergroup variation. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, um, uh, there uh, a relatively small number of, um, of uh, zoster events, um, uh, three were in vaccinated patients and were in non-vaccinated patients. So even looking at hazard ratios between these groups, nothing was significant. The only thing that I found that was quite interesting in this um, was that um, there were a few events in both tofacitinib groups and, and zero events in the adalimumab group. And we know that from comparative studies from, from other um, databases that rate of zoster is just higher um, with tofacitinib, uh, made worse by steroids, made worse by methotrexate um, than other targeted therapies such as anti-cytokine therapies. Um, overall, the therapy very safe. Uh, the, there were no um, early um, episodes of zoster, zero to 42. That's a time period that if you get live zoster vaccine and you develop within the first um, uh, month or two, worry that this is actually dissemination of the vaccine strain. And none of that happened. Um, there were
were a few disseminated um, uh, or multi-dermatomal uh, episodes, uh, but none that were uh, dubbed as serious in the vaccinated groups. Um, and so it was well tolerated. Um, was there a palpable protective effect? Uh, perhaps. Um, uh, I think that uh, alerts us uh, to the problem, but we've now entered a new era. And uh, I'm going to tell you that, you know, we are not giving live zoster vaccine to anybody anymore. Okay, but unfortunately, outside the US and maybe Canada, we just can't get the kill vaccine. So we're stuck with this live vaccine for an extended period. Kind of information is very important to us. To carry some over on my next trip. <laughs> That'd be great. So the other thing I'm trying to problems getting it stocked here as well. Well, there you go. So the other thing I'm trying to tease out because initially they tried to say that steroids clearly drives it, but the question of whether methotrexate does or does not. Initially, they suggested it did with didn't fit so well in the model with Barry. Yours, um, your study, comment on MTX driving the risk because the two papers, Jeffrey Curtis and Kevin Winthrop, they blamed steroids, they didn't blame the conventional synthetic DMARDs as well. Uh, you know, I think it's a difficult um, thing to tease out because obviously if you're looking at the methotrexate population, it's often for glucocorticoids as well. So any, any attempt to uh, sparse these out, even in the monotherapy, there's always a residual group. I look at glucocorticoids as the driver um, of uh, zoster. We know this from other diseases and other settings. Methotrexate monotherapy in the absence of, of um, steroids, I mean, I just uh, have an informal uh, concern about it, but it is not getting it off the hook because it's just, uh, you know, there's just no way to answer this definitively. We do know, as you, you're well aware, from other vaccines where humoral antibody appears to be particularly important, methotrexate is, uh, you know, has been surprisingly potent at inhibiting antibody responses. Pneumococcus and influenza, um, and actually more than glucocorticoids. So it, it's not significant, just don't have an easy answer. Excellent. But what so, I'd say conclusion is, is that TOFA by itself, I think it, you know, loses some of its uh, impact. With or without methotrexate slash glucocorticoids, I think it's a different agent. And whether the newer drugs, you know, I, I heard you talk about Barry and some of the attempts to look, I think it's going to take a longer time to sort this out. It looks like a class effect, but perhaps maybe not as robust. We don't know yet. Okay, so we've been tending to stop for three weeks, try and miss a week of methotrexate or miss two weeks. How long should we wait between vaccination and starting the jack um, to this zoster risk? Well, you know, the the uh, our uh, committee for um, Immunization practices, the ACIP, you know, makes a, a, a kind of eminence-based recommendation of four weeks uh, starting immunosuppression. And you know, sometimes we don't have that luxury. Um, you know, I'm very impressed um, with the um, uh, data on methotrexate. 
um, and influenza uh, that a two-week hiatus uh, has, um, you know, very beneficial effects at boosting uh, humoral response to this T-cell dependent vaccine. We just don't know in the zoster group. The small study done by Kevin Winthrop uh, that actually looked at um, uh, giving a, z a live zoster vaccine and then um, uh, giving lopacitinib um, two weeks afterwards. Uh, you know, this does not get enough play that there was a single patient who had disseminated zoster in that study, and there were two things to be noted. One, this was disseminated Zostavax. This was not um, just reactivation of, of uh, childhood zoster. And secondly, that patient had no immunization status um, to varicella at the beginning. So I say, you know, I would shoot for the four weeks to be as safe as possible. Two weeks, um, not quite as good, better than simultaneous administration. Excellent. Do you want to just comment on some of those ULAR and ACR guidelines? Not to be the same. They almost seem to be. They're, first of all, they're all dated. ACR guidelines are as of 2015, um, and um, uh, it, the Fingrix didn't was not approved until 2017. Um, uh, ULAR guidelines are still somewhat behind the the the. The, the the game as well. I think that you know, Peter. I can't for for areas that don't have a competent zoster vaccine. But just to say where this will be going in the next year or two, that we see no reason to be giving uh, live zoster vaccine because a it has only a 50% protection rate. B it's relatively ineffective uh, after the second decade. C um, the protective um, uh, uh, immunity uh, ex vivo um, wanes by five to seven years. Zostavax, on the other hand, is 97% uh, effective. It does not appear to wane, at least as the current follow-up, and it's equally effective uh, regardless of age. So, uh, on the pike. And so you might say, well, I've got to give this Zostavax right now. What happens when Chingrix comes out? Current recommendations right now by the ACIP are is that even if you've had Zostavax, you then should get the recombinant Shingrix um, at some point in time afterwards. Excellent. So I know you didn't look at it in this particular paper, but from your experience, I know Mike Weinblatt showed 300 Shingrix vaccinated patients at ULAR this year and said 1.3% flares I've, I've heard this from other rheumatologists. They're concerned Chindrix will cause a flare of rheumatoid. Experience in that direction? Well, I, I have weighed significant flags in this area, and I've written an editorial about this in Helio Rheumatology. Um, it, you know, at this point in time, we know enough, and, and that was a very nice study from the Brigham, but it was retrospective, and it looked, it was a, a, a for a blunt signal, um, and you know it was a small number of flares. And to be quite honest with you, um, rheumatoid doesn't frighten me. I mean, if you have a flare of rheumatoid, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want to have it happen, but 
how to deal with this. That I am very concerned about are in diseases that have uh, clearly pathogenic autoantibodies, namely SLE and ANCA-associated vasculitis. And no one has done a study to date uh, prospectively looking at the potential for Syngrex um, to influence the elaboration of key autoantibodies such as anti-DNA um, and ANCA. And so those studies need to be done. The company does um, and we're waiting for some, some, some action in that area. They rumor that studies may be on the way. Excellent. I think we all, the field really needs something in that direction because I recall the risk of Zoster back to patients in their 20s and we worry oh, about absolutely. it. Absolutely. And it's heavily confounded by glucocorticoids, as you could imagine, but their rates in young lupus patients on heavy immunosuppression are reminiscent of the rates of zoster that we saw in HIV in the uh, antiretroviral era. It's, they're, they're devastatingly high. Strategies are clearly needed there. And, and so we need, you know, before we can this kind of vaccine that's a potent adjuvant, we need a clear safety. Excellent. So um, just to any take-home messages for the rheumatologists who are stuck with the live vaccine from your particular paper? Well, I would say that this just continues to support, um, particularly before the class of drugs of Janus kinase inhibitors, I would encourage vaccination, um, uh, even uh, below the age of 50, um, and I would uh, wait uh, two to four weeks, uh, depending upon the time, uh, to get things going. You know, over here, when we start these drugs, it takes us a long time to get it approved. So that's the time to have the discussion right up front. Um, down the line, I think that that will be planted by recombinant vaccine, um, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. Excellent. Thank you again for your time, Len. Um, this has been the CSF July Author Port Podcast. If you'd like to know more about uh, Professor Calabrese's paper and others upload to the C uploaded to the CSF website this month, you've got detailed slide sets are available in the publication section. Go to cytokinesignal.com. Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or other podcast media and give us some feedback and let us know what you think. Thank you so much for your time, Len.